Well, we are in week two of uh, A Sound Mind, a series on mental and emotional well-being. Last weekend, we used an illustration of some Jenga blocks. I'm not going to redo the whole illustration. But some of us mistakenly think that mental and emotional well-being is when life is like this. Everything is neat and tidy and just as planned and stacked and loaded up. But uh, true to life, last weekend as I was building the second tower, sure enough, uh, things fell apart as you start to play Jenga with it. Because how many of you know life doesn't stay in place? All right? And so there are puts and takes. And sooner or later, uh, life can become sort of a bit of rubble along with the structure, along with what you anticipated. And emotional and mental health, it is well with my soul. When life is like this, it doesn't take much to praise God as well as my soul. Everything's just as I thought it was going to be. But when things begin to fall apart and there is still a sense that it is well with my soul, that's the difference God can make. So the emotional and mental well-being that we're talking about is when life looks like this. And if you say, well, my life isn't like that, it's like this, I would suggest to just have a few more birthdays and it'll get like this. Because that's kind of the nature of life. And so... Uh, our theme verse, uh, that one of the theme verses we're working with is 3 John verse 2. I'm going to ask you to read this out loud with me with a little bit of enthusiasm, all right? And so let's give it a shot. Ready? Beloved, you may flourish and be in good health just as your soul prospers. That verse illustrates really part of the way God's made us. And as God is a three-part being, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, He has created us body, soul, and spirit. And so at the heart of who we are is our spirit, our soul, and our body. When we look at our spirit, I would hold that true emotional and mental well-being is not possible until at first we give our lives to Christ. And the Bible says we have Christ within us, the hope of glory. So his Holy Spirit dwells in us. I was talking to a physician friend of mine yesterday after the service, and he said, oh, by all means, he said, I can help people uh, physiologically with their stresses and their angst, but without Christ, uh, they're not gonna get there fully. Our soul can be thought of as our mind, your thought life, Uh, our emotions, feelings, and uh, our will, our behavior. And indeed, what we do flows out of what we feel and what we think. Why'd you do that? Well, I felt like. Why'd you do that? Well, I was thinking. And so these all flow together and our body is integrally tied to that, body, soul, and spirit. And there is a battle going on, and I'm just going to use more colors because I can. And drawing on a board with colors makes me happy. So I'm elevating my mood right now, all right? There's a battle going on um, between the Holy Spirit, our spirit, and what the Bible, what Paul calls in Romans, our flesh. And... To illustrate that battle, how many of you have ever known the right thing to do and you did the wrong thing anyway? Can I see honest hands? That's the battle Paul talks about. He says, the very thing I don't want to do, I do. And the very thing I want to do, I don't do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will save me from the body of this death? Romans chapter 7. The encouraging thing for us, though, in this process is that the 23rd Psalm, one more color, tells us that God is our good shepherd and he restores our soul. So when I have a personal relationship with Christ, that restoration process starts and he restores my mind and my thought life. He restores my emotions and my feelings. He heals me there. And as a result, when my mind and my emotions, my thoughts and my feelings are appropriate and healthy, I tend to behave properly and then it kind of perpetuates itself. And so this weekend, I'm going to talk about anxiety. And as we delve into that, I want to introduce one principle that applies to us. Uh, and I'll use a 
picture to make the analogy. Let's toss the photograph up. How many of you know that's a, a, asking for a miracle in itself, all right? <laughs> Bless this to my body, all right? Now, I am not here to demonize all things double cheeseburger and whatever in the world that is. There's bacon and onion rings and, and four buns. But how many of you know that a steady diet of that would not be good for your body? Would you just raise your hand, okay? We're all good with that. All right. Now, I'm not saying you can't ever eat these things. I mean, I rarely go to Red Robin because I like it too much. All right. And I'm not, I'm not even that crazy about the hamburgers, but the fact that they give you unlimited fries, unlimited homemade, house-made potato chips, and then salad. Okay. It's like, so I start with a salad to make myself feel good. All right. With the burger. All right. And then I will get fries and then I will get chips and then I will pray the check comes so I don't get more fries and more chips, or I will. And so I'm with you on that. But, and if this is your, your Super Bowl plans for this evening, don't even bother praying the prayer. God's got to be like, really? All right? <laughs> Not touching that. It's all you're doing. But I want you to go ahead and dream with me out loud. All right? Now, if you just say it out loud, we're going to be good. If you don't say it out loud, we'll make you tell somebody. Okay? So I'm just warning you. All right? So here we go. So out loud, what are things you could do to that burger besides just slide off the table? What are things you could do to that to make it less bad for you? I was going to say more healthy, okay? What can you do to it to, to reduce the cardiac bomb that it is, okay? Go on, out loud. Just say, what, say things you could do, all right? Remove one of the burgers. All right, come on. All right. Good, good. What, what's funny is that you really jumped on that because you're antisocial. You don't want to talk to somebody else. So I'll just say it out loud. Okay, it's fine. All right, now, in addition to what we could do to make that less bad for you, that probably comes with a large order of fries and a 32-ounce Coke, okay? So what could you put alongside that that would also improve the health of this particular meal, okay? So let's, let's push the large fries and the Coke aside. What could you have alongside that would up the healthiness of it, okay? Go on out loud, say what it is. What could you do? All right, maybe, maybe a salad. Maybe some veggies, maybe a fruit for a dessert, you know, maybe water. So we all agree there are things I could do that are worse for me or better for me in my physical health. Yes? Yes. Say yes. Okay. Well, this sermon is based on a similar premise that there are things you can do that are better for your soul, your thought life, your emotional life and the behaviors you have, there are things you can do to improve it. And already people are getting defensive. No, yeah, no. That's good news. You, with the help of the Holy Spirit, Christ's Spirit that dwells within you, with the help of the Holy Spirit, some of you came in here just racked with anxiety, but you heard, okay, we're talking about mental health. I need to get there. Understandable. Some of you are in one of the deepest, darkest seasons of depression that maybe you've ever known or you've been in it for forever, but you're here. And I am in, in no means minimizing that, but the good news is with God's help, there are things all of us can do to make the burger of emotions and thoughts a little less devastating. There are things I can add in my life that will improve my health here and here. And as I mentioned in the Deeper Dive Wednesday, and we do Q&A, uh, by all means, if you're really battling in these areas, go see your family doctor to see, because sometimes a chemical imbalance here can affect all of this, no matter what you do. And last weekend, we gave you homework, and we're going to give you some homework this weekend as well. If you remember, it was three things, right? Just, just humor me. Yeah. <laughs> Of course. You've been doing them all week long, all right? One, there was a coffee table here. Dirk and I had a cup of coffee. Just connect with people. Just connect. You don't have to do a whole soul dump. Just be with people. On the other end, there was a table or a, a chair over here. 
Read the Bible. Boy, we looked at Psalms. God cares about your soul. And then in the middle, there was right exercise, right? Because exercise is good for you. And, and somebody, one of the questions in a deeper dive, because we take uh, index cards, they said exercise is good for you if you can do this. But what about those unable to exercise, especially, and here's the qualifier that, that really got my attention, when you attempt and get no positive results. I think it's impossible to do much exercise without getting positive results. I remember my mom was in a nursing home and she was immobilized. I'm like, mom, at least lay there and do this. All right, you, use your muscles, force some kind of mobility. Because when I do even this, and you don't have to all of a sudden be a back of the gym person. People will talk about that this week. Just, just take a walk, 15 minutes, 20 minute walk, first thing in the morning. When you do that, the one who made you body, soul, and spirit made you that chemicals are re released from your body, in your brain, endorphins and whatnot, and it automatically is a mood booster for you. So I would kind of take the position that if what they really mean is, especially when you attempt physical activity and you don't lose weight when they say get no positive results. Because what do we all want? We want to look down at that thing called a scale. We want to see the number go down. And so when I do my walk, and Pastor Stan said 20 minutes a day, so I'm walking first thing in the morning, getting up early, and doggone, I get on the scale. And you ever, you ever have, who has the metabolism to get on the scale? And it goes up. <laughs> the, the positive byproduct, don't just say lose weight or don't do it. Because just by doing it, I guarantee you, you're not the first human on the planet for whom endorphins and dopamine and whatnot will not be released in your brain. You will still have positive benefits from it. So whatever the double cheeseburger of life is giving you, toss some emotional mental veggies alongside of it. It'll be good for you. So let's talk about anxiety. Let's define it. And this week, don't miss Deeper Dive, 7 o'clock, West Auditorium. Glenn Stanton will be taking the Q&A uh, as far as mental health issues go. You'll want to be there for that. Anxiety can be defined as painful and apprehensive uneasiness of the mind, an overwhelming abnormal sense of apprehension and brooding, fear about some contingency. And so you just get, it's that feeling inside. And, and it's the kind of thing that grows. It's like a negative itch of the soul. It just gets, you know, the longer it goes and, you, and it gets bigger and bigger and more bothersome. And it, and it has to do with our thoughts. And, and so if we look here, anxiety, we're going to deal primarily in our mind when we think about this week. And, and there are things for the most troubled among us that we can do that will help us be able to say it's well with my soul. If you have the CLC app, you can uh, follow along with me. The outline is there. And the first point says, as a Christian, don't hide or deny your anxiety. Pray about it. And like how many of you, when you greet people, you, how many of you ever say, hey, how you doing? How many of you ever do that? I do that all the time, right? How you doing? What do you say back? Fine. How are you? Once in a while, people go, they have no intention of finding out how I'm doing. It's just, how you doing? How you doing? Yeah, good. It's just, it's just a hello kind of greeting. So it's not like when somebody says, how you doing? You have to do a complete soul dump right there because they asked me how I'm doing. No, they really meant, hi, how are you? I, I, I mean you well. But at the same time, we, we have to be careful we don't become really good at hiding how we're doing because there need to be those honest connections. If I go back to last week's illustration, I mean, Dirk, when we were talking about that, Saturday said, you know what? I'll be happy to let's have coffee together. I'll do a deep dive into, you know, the eating disorder I dealt with. So there need to be people in places that you're safe enough and it's appropriate and there's the time to be able to unpack how you're doing. And if we're going to do that, the place we need to start doing that, the place that's most effective first is to do it with God. Look at what David does. What he says, he's a man after, God calls David a man after God's own heart. He wrote a good chunk of the Bible, the book of Psalms, and a lot of the Bible in the Old Testament is about his life. So this is a pretty good guy. Pretty special. 
He's remembered in the New Testament as well for his faith, for his love for God. Look at what David says in Psalm 139. Did I read Romans 12 already? Oops. Let's go back to Romans 12 first. Sorry. Preaches three times. Romans 12. Go back to the hamburger thing and, and you have a choice. To those of us that are going, well, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, the Apostle Paul, I urge you, brethren and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, this anxious, stressed out mess of a world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know those transformers when you're, you're like little boys, especially little boys like them and kids, and it's, it's, it starts like a, like a car and ends up like a robot superhero. It goes from one form to another. When we accept Christ, the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. They are transformed from the image of this world that's an anxious, stressed out, self-centered mess to someone. It says we are transformed, renewing of your minds. You may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. A huge part of the change process, the restoration process, well with my soul, starts with learning how to think different. Say, think different. So with that, let's think different about our anxiety and about our anxiety and me and God. Psalm 139, verse 23. David, a man for God's own heart, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my... Read those next two words. Anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful way in me, any dysfunction in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. God, show me my anxious thoughts. Identify what's stirring my anxiety. Did you ever find yourself anxious and you didn't even know why you felt anxious? Raise your hand. Okay, at first when I asked that last night, spontaneously, I thought maybe only guys don't know what they're feeling or why, okay? But it's a male and female thing. David must have been at that kind of place. And so he says, God, search, search me. Show me my anxieties. Where, where is it coming from? What, what is this? And, and then what we need to do is most of us, we, we, we pray on the run. God, show me anxiety. My anxious thoughts, I got to get going. No, what we do is we, we pray, Lord, show me my anxious thoughts. Search me. See if there's any dysfunction. What, what is it in me, in my mind, in my heart that's perpetuating this? And then after you pray that, shut up and listen. I guarantee you things will just come to your mind. Well, that's just me. How do you know it's just you? There'll be faces. There'll be interactions. There'll be memories. There'll be your reaction, their reaction, what they said, you said. All this stuff comes that just makes us anxious and, and stressing and fretting. Be still. Know that I'm God. And the next, for, the next point gives us the next step. It says, as the Holy Spirit helps you identify your anxious thoughts, prayerfully surrender them. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. The apostle says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And one of the most important things, if you are going to deal with your anxieties, if God is going to be a God of soul comfort to you, like we looked last week in the book of Psalms, you cannot have this posture or this posture to the creator of the universe. How arrogant is that? Humble yourself. Where do we get off? Blaming and, and no. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. And he says that he may exalt you at the proper time. Look at the next verse. Casting all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Change your posture from this and this to this. 
go ahead and do a soul dump. Cast all your anxious thoughts. When you pray, search me. What am I anxious for? What am I dealing with? And as those things start to come to you, then dump all those. Cast all your anxious thoughts on him because he cares for you. And I would suggest that the, do it out loud because there's something valuable about speaking what is going on in here and here in prayer. Let's look at how David did this. In Psalm 31, this is a season David's life is obviously in a mess. And he says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I'm in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief. My soul and my body also. Have you ever been so strained and stressed? And just the weeping and the emotional angst and the struggle, and it just takes its toll physically as well. My life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. It's one thing when it lasts for a day or two or a week. Weeks, months, some of you, years. It feels like that is life. David's like, man, I've just been carrying this burden for so long. My strength has failed because of my iniquity and my body is wasted away. Because of all my adversaries, I've become a reproach, especially to my neighbors. So he's got problems with his own sin dysfunction, other people, an object of dread to my acquaintances, those who see me in the street flee from me. You know what that's like? You probably haven't caught them. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how often have you been at whatever store you go to and you saw them and you went an aisle over because you didn't want to or if he were to write it today, he might say, and I call them, and when they see my name come up on caller ID, they don't answer. They avoid me. I'm forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I'm like a broken vessel. For I've heard the slander of many and terrors on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they schemed to take away my life. But as for me, look at the turn he makes now. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. And I say, you are my God. David, David knew that God is not a function of how he feels or what he thinks. I know what's true. You're my God. And the next verse is not on the screen. He says, my times are in your hand. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. God, I know who you are. And so all these anxious thoughts... Now I feel like they're, they're, they're distancing from me and I'm, I'm, I'm in despair over this. But I know you're my God. My life is in your hands. So help me, Lord. And that whole idea uh, you know, out of Peter where we talked about surrendering your anxious thoughts because he cares for you. The next verse that wasn't on the screen, he says, be of sober spirit and be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You've got a spiritual adversary and he wants to tear you apart. But not like a lion does in the flesh. He wants to tear you apart with what you think. He wants to tear you apart with what you're feeling. And, and these, left to their own, will eventually yield dysfunctional behavior that just repeats all over again. And so what do we do? Okay, what's a practical, what is a practical make it healthier process for our thoughts? Well, practice the peaceable, non-anxious presence of God. And I'm going to warn you right now, if there's a lot of pain here, I'm not minimizing that. I'm not diminishing it. But there are some things that you can do to make the double cheeseburger, four buns, bacon, and onion rings. You can make it less unhealthy, but you have to choose to do it. And we almost get defensive when Paul says the kinds of things he says. But I said last weekend that we're going to take a look at Philippians, which I think is probably the, the number one mental health book in the Bible. You can differ with me, it's fine. And you just do a flyby, chapter one. It's one of my life verses there because I, I know how complete I'm not. I know I have a long way to go. 
And I could easily get discouraged about that. And my adversary likes to jump on in my brain and say, yeah, you're never going to, boom, whatever. But Philippians 1, 6, Paul says, we know that he who began a good work in you will continue to bring it to completion, to perfection until the day of Christ Jesus. I am a work in process my whole life. And I don't give up and he won't give up. So I mess up, try again, mess up, try again, mess up, learn, grow, try again. In that same chapter, in uh, chapter one, he encourages us to have a loose grip on life. Talk about mental health. He says, you know, I, I don't know which I want. To live, to go on and live in this life. And he's writing this from prison, by the way. To live is, is for Christ's sake and for your sake, but to die is my gain. I get to go to heaven. I don't know which I prefer. If that isn't a loose grip on life, I don't know what is. And some of our anxious thoughts are because we hold life so tightly and everything isn't right and everything we can't control and, we're, and, and we fail to realize you cannot hold this tight enough to keep it together. The only reason it's together now is because Dirk taped them together on the inside. <laughs> Trade secret. Life is like this. Life is messy. And if I hold it loosely, I can trust him. Because I cannot control it all. And nor can you. So chapter 2. He spends a lot of time here about having the mind of Christ. And it starts with humility. Humble yourself. Jesus was humble. A humble mind, humble heart doesn't go humble yourself. And in chapter 3, talk about mental health, he talks about the past. He says, forget what lies behind. I press on to what God has ahead for me. Because otherwise we are fully capable of taking the past and recreating it today. The emotions, the feelings and the thoughts of what were, of what they did, what we did, what I did, what you, whatever. We can, we can recreate that today and tomorrow and we can project it into our future and just perpetuate it. And Paul says, you know what? I just can't go there anymore. I'm going to let it go because I want to press on to what God has for me. One of my mentors used to say, we don't live with our past. Would you say it's over? We live what we tell ourselves about our past. And sometimes when we're asking God for my anxious thoughts and he brings up all the stuff they did, you did, said and done in the past, a great prayer is, okay, Lord, now that, now that my anxious thoughts, that's right, help me have a redemptive interpretation of that. What am I supposed to think because of that? What am I supposed to think to move forward in that? Because I don't want to just recreate that. I want to reach what you have for me. And then chapter four, chapter four, he gets real direct. He uses the imperative a lot, which imperative case is a command. Do this, basically. Not suggesting, not would you please, it's do this. And that's where we get defensive. Who are you going to tell me what to do? It's my, it's my anxiety, it's my whatever, okay? And so in Philippians chapter 4, we'll put verse 6 on the screen. It starts with four really easy words. Be anxious for nothing. Yeah, right. But in everything, say everything, by prayer and supplication, that's humble asking, prayer and humility, there's again, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I heard recently that the human mind cannot think thoughts of gratitude and thoughts of despair at the same time. We can't multitask that way. So in everything, don't be anxious. Be thankful. Don't be, don't be stressing in those thoughts, but learn to be thankful. Learn to be humble and then ask. Verse 9, I'm going to jump back to the other verses. Paul says, the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. That's pretty bold. Practice these things. Say practice. And the God of peace will be with you. What does practice mean? It means try it. See how it went. Learn from it. Try it again. See how it went? Learn from it, adjust, try it again. You practice and you practice. Hopefully, practice, we learn practice makes, it doesn't do that. That's a lie. But practice makes better. Evidently, some teams practice more than others and the Browns must not practice as much. <laughs> Just saying. 
I'm looking forward to the tacos, not the game. So anyways. But, but we, we practice. You can practice things. You can practice thinking things that will be better for you if you want to. You can practice feeling things if you want to. Oh, I can't control that. Sure you can. I asked you to think about the burger, how to make it healthier. You all, none of you went. Because you can control your thoughts. And you directed them. You, you can practice thinking and feeling, thinking and feeling and behaving and you will find that with the help of the Holy Spirit, change starts to happen. So listen to some of the other stuff. It's not going to be on the screen. Verse four, this is easy. Rejoice in the Lord most of the time. Rejoice in the Lord always. Whew. Again, I say it, rejoice. It's a command. Let your gentle spirit be known to all the Lord is near. And that's when we, we get defensive. I, I found, I remember, I went through a season of depression for a few months, years ago. And at least for me, it was a little bit, in a dark way, addictive. It's kind of like picking a scab. You're not supposed to pick it, but it kind of is cool to pick it. And I'd do, I'd do deeper dives into the depression. I, I, there was an album to this day. When I listen to those songs, I just go... And we get defensive toward it. Oh, don't tell me to cheer up. Don't tell me to think. We, we defend. If we're not careful, these have already camped in our soul. Paul calls them strongholds. And we'll defend our anxious thoughts. We'll defend our, our, our hurt emotions. We'll defend those rather than say, okay, Lord, Search me and see if there's any dysfunctional defense of my anxious thoughts and hurt emotions. See if I defend those in a way instead of tear those down and heal from that. And he says, and, and if you do these things, be anxious for nothing, the peace of God, which surpasses comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Boom, boom. Emotional, mental well-being. Finally, and then listen to this verse. Oh my goodness. Talk about raising the bar. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And that was a, a verse mentioned Friday night at the couple's thing we were at, and I thought, well, it'd be good for some people to hear this twice. And I asked the team to put together a slide with those words on the screen. And so these are the things that Paul says, if you think on these things, the God of peace will be with you. If you tell yourself why you can't think those things, why you won't think those things, why you can't be expected to think those things, do not expect anxiety to diminish very much. But he says, practice these things. Try it, practice, learn, adjust, try it again. Learn, adjust, try it again. Learn, adjust, practice thinking true, honorable, that's basically worthy of respect, things that are right in accordance with what is true, pure, untainted by evil, lovely, that which is delightful, a great moral or spiritual beauty, admirable, that which is inspiring, any excellence. It's like he's debating with a pessimist. No, I'm not gonna, you can't make me. He's like, is there anything excellent? Is there anything worthy of praise? Then think about that. So let's try this real quick. Let's pick one of your favorite people. I don't know if it's grandma. That's always a good one. A spouse, a child, a parent, a BFF, your favorite boss, your favorite teacher. Think of somebody in your life that you really makes you smile when you think about it. And pick any one of those, something true about them, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, inspiring, excellent. Just think, of, just think something about that. And if you're honestly doing that, notice how you feel right now. Feels kind of like a, a hug, doesn't it? On the inside? <sighs> yeah. Maybe you miss them. Maybe they're not here anymore. Maybe you can't wait to see them. And so now, it wouldn't be like, good job, God, if we said, well, everything, if, if we just think those things about everything good in life, that's not a big deal. It's easy to have mental and emotional well-being when life's all in order. But what about when life is not? So think about something stressful in the world that just stresses you out. 
It could be as simple as baby boomers like me who started to drive. When I learned to drive, I remember buying gas for 31 cents a gallon. I have to give myself CPR when I fill up over three bucks a gallon for gas. So maybe you're all stressed out about the economy. Maybe you're stressed out about something in politics or I don't know, in our culture or what. Just think about something that stresses you out. Just raises your anxiety, just ruin the mood you had, makes you anxious, makes you, right? Now, that same list, you may not be able to think of anything admirable about whatever you're thinking of. But dark thoughts, anxious thoughts, tend to be like that monster wants to take over everything, all your thought space. So I want you, however big that gets, and the longer you think about it, the bigger and darker it's going to get, push it over just enough and think about something, probably something else, that is admirable or excellent or praiseworthy. Think about something else in light of that some, that's going on somewhere in life. Think about something different. Feel the contrast? What you're doing is you are asserting control. The Holy Spirit gives us the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. And you are choosing where I let my mind dwell. Because Paul says, let your mind, make your mind dwell on these things. So, good exercise. One last thought, and this is where our homework will come in. I'd like for us to look at Dr. Daniel Amon's ant repellent. He uses ant as an acronym for automatic negative thoughts. We're also going to talk about loving kindness meditation. Both of them are biblical. So I want you to think about your automatic negative thoughts. Who, me? Yeah, yours. So think about, you've all, we've all got them. Just nod your head, honestly. There are people that you automatically think, boom, situations, work, your boss, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your whatever, all right? What happened back then, experiences. We have automatic negative thoughts. And what do we do with them? I'll read for you. Uh, become a real fan of Dr. Alman. I believe he's a believer. He's worked with Rick Warren in like defining things like the Daniel Fast. Uh, you can find him on TED Talks. He's written lots of books. This one is Memory Rescue. And he has an acronym for mental and brain health. And, and the M of this chapter is, is M is for mental health. There's a prescription for reducing your mental health risk. And he is a psychiatrist and a neuroscientist. He's, he's a research geek. All these things are backed up by medical studies, repeatable, verifiable. He says, try these 25 research proven tips. I'm not gonna give you all 25. One, this reminded me of our sermon series in October where we said, starting today with the verse, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. It is full of possibilities. Remember that? Just nod like you did. Okay, thank you. I feel better. And he, he said, start every day with the words, today is going to be a great day. Your mind makes happen what it visualizes. When you start the day by saying these words, your brain will find the reasons it'll be a great day. Second thing, write down three things you're grateful for. Boy, he talks about that. Dr. Seligman talks about that. Other happiness studies. Writing down three things you're grateful for and a sentence of why. And he said, people who do this found a significant increase in happiness in just three weeks. Oh, yeah, that's not going to happen to me. Try it. Write down the name of one person you appreciate every day. And take it a step further. Tell them. Try it today. Just text somebody. Thinking of you today. Want you to know I appreciate you. One sentence of why. Thanks. Talks about praying about your concerns. We dealt with the verse out of 1 Peter. Limit screen time. We'll talk about that more later in the series. But I watched a documentary recently and I bought a book that was mentioned there by one of the guys from Silicon Valley who wrote the book, 10 Reasons to Delete All Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. I haven't done it yet, but it's an interesting, interesting book. Exercise. Fastest way to feel better. Here's one you'll like. This is a brain psychiatrist, physiologist. Eat some dark chocolate. He said, dark chocolate can boost blood flow to your brain, help improve your mood, and decrease anxiety. Now he says, limited to about an ounce a day. Cry babies, right? Hey, it's an ounce of dark chocolate. And you put a cup of coffee with that, it's pretty good. 
Listen to classical music. Drink green tea. Lots of physiological reasons there. Stop complaining, he says. Complaining rewires your brain to see the negative far too often. Write down your five happiest experiences and then relive them in your mind. Use it constructively. Learn to forgive. It can help reduce negative feelings. Help someone or volunteer. Studies are abundant on how good that is for your emotional well-being. Journal your feelings and learn to kill ants. Automatic negative thoughts. And so as you're thinking about those automatic negative thoughts that you have, realize that 80% of all disease and illness is initiated and aggravated by stress. The one who made us body, soul, and spirit out here, this not going well is meant to be a, a, a gauge for what's going on here. And he identifies that your automatic negative thoughts are at the root of your stress. And those thoughts, unfortunately, lie a lot. If you want to enjoy a vibrant, brain-healthy life, in addition to taking brain-healthy supplements, eating brain-smart foods, and getting plenty of rest, water, and exercise, correcting your negative thinking to reduce your internal stress is a key. Four questions, he says, to ask. So you got, your, you got your aunt in your mind? Automatic negative thought? Here's question number one. Is it true? Your first response is, oh, of course it's true. Now, he says, not only is it true, the second question, can I absolutely know that it's true? Fully true as I think it's true. Because the idea is it's probably not quite as fully true as you remember it or think it. Third question, how do I react when I think that thought? What does it do to me? And then who would I be without that thought? Or how would I feel if I didn't have that thought? And so with that automatic negative thought that you think so quickly, is it true? Am I a little biased? Is it as true as I think it is? Is there any doubt? Is it doing me good? Do I, do I feel better here and here dwelling on that? Because the only person who can really control my thoughts is me. And then, Lord, if there are anxious ways in me, then show me how to have a different interpretation or perspective or to let it go. He says to write them down and then have that thought process. Another thing I want to close with is what he calls a loving kindness meditation. So biblical. It sounds a lot like 3 John verse 2. And so I'm going to invite you to just kind of close your eyes with me. Take a nice, deep, relaxing breath. And just whisper these three statements. They're based on 3 John verse 2. May I flourish. Just say it. May I flourish. Whisper, may I be healthy. May I be healthy. And the third, may it be well with my soul. May it be well with my soul. May I flourish. May I be healthy. May it be well with my soul. Take time just to reflect on that, to think on that. And as the team sings that hymn, I ask them to close us out with this hymn. Reflect on maybe some of those automatic negative thoughts those tough situations that tend to steal that well-being and flourishing from you. And at the very least, park some of these healthy thoughts and reflections from God next to that and trust Him to make it well with your soul.
You can be seated for just a closing moment. That song was written by Horatio Spafford, who was a developer in Chicago before the fires in the mid-1800s. And as the fire swept through that city and destroyed much of what he owned, he lost a fortune. And as he was trying to rebuild that, their four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. They've been under so much stress and pressure, they decided to go to England to, to visit some revival meetings that were happening in the churches there. And so Horatio sent his wife and his four daughters on an ocean liner across England. He would meet them in a matter of weeks. On the trip over there, the ocean liner struck another ship and it sunk. And only his wife survived and she sent a telegraph that I alone have been saved. Four daughters died, a son months before that. Horatio Spafford made arrangements and quickly got in the ocean liner to go to England to meet up with his grieving wife. And as they were going across the ocean, the captain came to him and said, Sir, I believe this is about the spot the ship went down. And what I love about that hymn is that it is, it's an honest hymn. It's not everything with Jesus is this. It's life Life can fall apart. When you're going to get a break from all of the stress, you can be going to England to experience church services and restoration and lose your children. And he wrote, when peace like a river attends my way, I love it when life is peaceful and calm. Or when sorrow Notice the word choice, like sea billows roll. He wrote it on the ocean as the sea billows rolled. Whatever my thought you have taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And God is the one who loves our soul, who loves us inside and out and has created us body, soul, and spirit. And with Christ within us, he can make it well in our minds, our feelings, and our choices. Would you bow with me in prayer? If you're here today and you're one of those people that when I said, if you haven't accepted Christ yet, you need to. Friend, you need to pray a prayer of surrender, asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Forgive you your sins. Give him your life. And after the service is done, I encourage you to make your way down front. Our prayer team will be here. They'll be happy to help you with that prayer and give you helpful information on what that means to, to know Christ. But some of you are here with a heavy heart, with troubling thoughts, with overwhelming feelings, with, with, with a life that has brought so much despair or struggle or challenge or emptiness. And, and it is no reflection of spirituality or not. It's a reflection of the life that we live. And, and the Bible tells us to bear each other's burden. And so I'd encourage you, rather than hurrying out to the parking lot, to make your way forward. And there'll be people just to want to pray with you, just to share your burden. Others of you might want to just sit and reflect and, and, and let God speak to you even now. Search me, Lord. So I've asked the team just to quietly play for those who want to remain behind. So Heavenly Father, we come to you. What a broken world we live in and what a loving God you are to care about us in the midst of it. And you, you promise that you will do a restoration of us soul deep. And so, Lord, we pray for your continued presence in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would guard our hearts, our emotions, our minds, our thoughts, and teach us, Lord, how to practice those things that likewise magnify your peace. For those who are struggling today, we pray that they will sense, even in the midst of this, a calm assurance that you care for them that they will sense your presence, Holy Spirit, as their comforter, and that you will guide us forward in, in paths of righteousness that are a, a testimony likewise to a, a world that's longing for relief, that you know what, I can find that in my faith in Christ and how he teaches me to live and to be. And so a blessing on each one here today. I pray that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. I pray that your peace that goes beyond comprehension, beyond explaining, beyond circumstance will be ours to each of us today. And that Christian license will be a, a haven of that kind of love and joy and support and victory in the best of times and the most difficult of times. That it'll be well with our soul. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you Wednesday night. Feel free to linger and just reflect as well. God bless.